What up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Outside Shots with my man, Eddie Johnson. I'm Saul Bookman. We got DJ Emma back there spinning the ones and twos. Uh, we're always presented by OGs, the best edible in the game. We'll get to them later on. Uh, speaking of edibles, a lot of people in the NBA need them right now because a lot of people are a little hyped up, a little too angry, a little too too high on the horse, if you live in Denver. <clears throat> um, and... The Suns, not so much. Uh, you know, it's it's been they're not downtrodden. Obviously, down 0-2, not not the end of the world. You still got opportunity to rebound and come back, Eddie. For through first two the first two games of this series, what is your single biggest observation is in terms of why the Suns are down 0-2? Uh, one, I, I think they didn't shoot the ball to the level that they normally do. They're normally a very efficient basketball team shooting it. Well, can you give Denver credit defensively? Of course. Uh, they're doing some things uh, to negate uh, some smoothness to the Suns offense, without a doubt. Game one was, you know, it's, un- it's not ex- unexpected. They're at home, best record in the conference, pumped up, a lot of respect for the team that they're playing. It was a close game for a period of time. Uh, then they got a lead. Sun could never get it below 10. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torrey Craig, I think, had a point-blank layup in game one. That would have put it below 10, and I think the pressure would have started. But give them credit. Uh, they got play from everybody, uh, not just you know Murray, but they got it from from uh, Michael Porter Jr. They got it from Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Uh, they got it from Aaron Gordon, uh, Jeff Green. They got it from everyone. Uh, and then in game two, it was winnable. It was a winnable game, man. Uh, it's unfortunate Chris Paul goes down because I thought that's when they were getting ready to mm-hmm. take over the game yeah. based on how he was playing. And then that injury happened, and then I think the fatigue set in a little bit uh, just two ways. One, at altitude up there is no joke. You do need more rest when you play up there than other places that you would play. And then defensively they ramped it up. And then let's just face it, you know, Nikola Jokic, I think the Suns' game plan was great. Go ahead, Nicola. Go and get you 40. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but everybody else is not going to get yes. it. And so expect that the rest of the series. But then, you know, missing shots in that fourth quarter, I think it sounds like 0 for 9, 0 for mm-hmm. 10. That's what won it. And then, yeah, Contavious Caldwell-Pope's shots looked really big because of the moment they were in. But if the Suns had shot the ball better to begin the fourth, those wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's unfortunate, but again – Hey, they're up too old. They did what they need to do on their home floor, and now the Suns have to come home and, and do what they need to do. So it's it's they're not in a serious hole right now, so to speak, because they're at home now, and it's their serve. And now you have to take care of business here at home. You feel like the Suns feeling pressure right now to at least win one of these two games because they, they go down three zero. No, it's pressure to win both. Uh, it's definitely pressure to win both. Uh, but you know, if something crazy happened and it did go back to Denver 3-1, you still have to win in Denver. Mm. But it just makes it so much more difficult because then you have to win twice. Yeah, uh, And so, no, I think these two games are huge, man. Uh, they cannot go down 3-0. You just don't come back from a 3-0 deficit. So I expect them to come out with that urgency. And sometimes that's what you need. It's all you need urgency. You need your back against the wall, yeah. man. That's the Like people think the Suns are like mentally down. No, they're not. If you've been listening to what Devin Booker is telling you, it's real. No. Sometimes, man, you feel like, you know, life sometimes it pushes you against the wall, right? We can all look in the mirror and say, man, there's times in my life where I didn't think I could make it. And then what happened? You reach down deep 
and then you find greatness, and it comes out. Saw it last night with Boston. Mm. Like, Philly got Embiid back, MVP. You would think, oh, man, they beat him without Embiid. Man, they can come out and beat him. Boston played with urgency, and great things happened for them. So, no, I expect the Suns to come out with a ton of energy and uh, play basketball to the level they need to. My biggest concern – well, actually, let me let me get to this question in the chat from Bees. He says, uh, who do you think benefits the most out of the long rest periods in between games two and three? I think the Suns, definitely, because the rhythm that Denver had – a lot of times when you're winning and you're flowing, you want it to continue. Mm-hmm. When you're not – you want maybe a separation, like, you know, especially in the playoffs. Maybe not in the regular season, but in the playoffs, because sometimes you just want to hurry up and get this out of your mind and get right back to it. But these days, I think, gave the Suns an opportunity to understand, watching film, what they need to do. And the rhythm that Denver generated with the two victories, I think, you know, can throw them off kilter. So I like the fact that we had this long layoff to get ourselves prepared for games three and four. I feel, you know, I, this this series kind of confuses me because I don't know if I can believe what my eyes are telling me. Um, so far through f- the first two games, um, obviously Devin Booker and KD have had to carry basically the entire load. Nobody else has really contributed to help out. Um, I feel like maybe this roster construction to some degree um, was a little overinflated in terms of uh, the Suns' perceived value of their players as opposed to what they actually are. Because right now, it's really coming coming to form that unless KD and Book are both on, at playing at an extremely high level, the Suns got a very, very razor-thin uh, margin for error. That's what concerns me. But again, when they come home, sometimes you've seen it, you know, where, where two, uh, two teams can play against each other in, in one venue and... One team looks like absolute crap, and then they come back to their other venue, and all of a sudden they look like world beaters, and that kind of resets the table. I'm hoping we're going to get the latter. Um, I don't know if I'm necessarily 100% on board that we will because of what we've seen so far through seven games of the playoffs. Well, you know, I, I think, you know, when you're down 2-0, you know, you need a shot in the arm. And a lot of times that shot in the arm doesn't come from the obvious. Doesn't come from the obvious, like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. It comes from someone else. And and I lived that moment back in '97 when I played with the Rockets and I played on the team with Akeem Olajuwon, Charles Barkley, Clyde Drexler, Kevin Willis, Mario Eli. Uh, you know, and a few of those guys obviously were champions. Uh, and the bench was maligned. Uh, our bench was maligned. We didn't play well in Utah. I didn't play well the first two games. And, you know, they were telling Rudy to make changes and, you know, maybe not have me into the rotation as deeply as I was. And and you know what that did? Like, I was fearful that that could happen. Mm-hmm. I focused, came out in game three, had 31. Oh, one of the oldest players in the history of the game in the playoffs to have 31. <laughs> All right. Uh then I doubled down on that in game four, and I hit the game-winning shot. Uh, now the series no, is 2-2. Don't, don't, don't leave out the high knees part. Well, I did all that Maybe too. Just, yeah, but – I give it some love there. No one expected me to do that. Mm-hmm. But I was given the chance to do it. And that's what Monty has to do. Like, Monty has to give guys a chance to take the pressure off of two guys that we know can score – but they need somebody else to grab the attention 
so they can produce. And in that particular game, I had 31. I think Akeem had about 28. And had, he was getting one-on-one coverage mm-hmm. because I was so hot. Charles was rebounding the ball like crazy. It's like it opens up a portal. And Monty has talked about that maybe he'll get Terrence Ross and T.J. Warren in the lineup. This is something I've been hoping for, you've been hoping for, because when you have offensive players out there on the floor with those two, now Denver can't double. They cannot double team. If they leave Ross, he can give you 20 in a quarter. Yeah, This is a dude that had 50 in a game. T.J. Warren averaged about 35 in the bubble a number of years ago. So you're not leaving them. And so now Devin doesn't have to look to his left or right to see who's coming to double him or KD. Now it opens up. Now what do you give up? Okay, you're giving up defense. Fine. But if you're scoring the ball, it makes up for that plus minus. Okay, yeah. I always tell people, they're like, where do your defense is not up to level? I say, I tell you what, you go ahead and put a defender in there on uh, Kiki Vandeway. And Kiki's probably going to give him 28. Okay, he might give me 32. But the guy that's guarding him is only going to score about eight. EJ getting 24. That's now a, you do the numbers. That's a plus minus of 16. Now you do the damn numbers. <laughs> like, so I don't want to hear that. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I think I think Monty sees that now, and I think that's why he's going to involve them in the rotation. And I think that's the way the Suns have to play uh, and to counter what Denver is doing because they have some guys they bring off the bench that T.J. Warren can guard. He can guard Brian. I mean, you know, they can, they can guard some of these guys that's coming off the bench uh, playing for them. So hopefully it works out well. Well, that's my biggest beef right now. You know, obviously we're going to talk about TJ and Ross. Um, I, I I've been for the for the these last two games and really this entire playoff series and really since TJ Warren came to the Suns, um, I just don't understand how you can't work a player into the system to see if he even fits into your system. And right now, obviously, Monty's got his own ideas about how he wants to run the team, and and he's. He sticks to it. Like we've seen this in the past, even before TJ and, and Ross were in the fold. You know, we saw this with Abdel Nader. Uh, we'll get, he came back from a knee injury in the middle of the Western Conference Finals and got run. And everybody was like, why? You know, like I just don't understand his dedication to the cause. I understand he has his, his players that he likes, his players that he's, you know, he's got an affinity for, maybe because he can ID himself in those guys. But you're talking about TJ Warren and Terrence Ross. When your team only puts up 87 points in a playoff game that you could have won, and you look over there and you have two two scores that are your two best scores coming off of that bench. Yeah. I don't think that's even a debate. And you're not even trying to use them in any way, shape, or form. You gave Terrence Ross five minutes the other night in garbage time. Like that doesn't count. I just don't understand. I I, I just don't understand the mindset of Monty Williams well, at this point. But again, you know, I, I had a ton of coaches in my career, and a lot of times the prevailing thought is that you know defense wins championships, which is true. But that defense has to turn into some good offense. And sometimes, as I said, with the plus minus thing, you're giving up something to get something. And I think Monty was of the mindset probably with Chris, uh, KD, Book, and DeAndre, that's enough points. So now I'm gonna try to blend in and kind of balance it with some guys that have to really defensively be aggressive on Jamal Murray. 
And I think that's true there. I think, you know, you got to have a defensive minded guy on, on that, on that guy. And, and Josh Kogi and Torrey Craig did a tremendous job in game two. So yeah, that shouldn't change. But the other guys that they use to bring in, I'm not fearful of them. Like, you know, like, look, I know, I know Brown in the paint, you know, off the bench for them has been pretty good. Brown has been pretty good. I get that, but they can be guarded by those two guys, and those two guys can score on them just as easily as they mm-hmm. score on other guys, and yeah. probably better if they're if they're in good rhythm. So, yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a distinct balance. But the great thing about the playoffs, and I continue to try to educate Suns fans and just basketball fans in general who want to, like, jump the gun and think it's over when a team wins. Like, the more you lose in a playoff setting, the more intense that you respond. Yeah. And – Again, playoffs don't start until somebody loses at home. The Suns only have to get one game in Denver. Even today, today as we speak, the Suns only have to get one game in Denver. They get what? Four opportunities to get one game. Golden State just came back down from Mm 2-0. They just needed one game in Sacramento, and then Sac beats them in Golden State. Then they had to go back in game seven and get two games, which is very difficult. But they did it. So, you know, you get messages from like, you know, Nugget fans now. Oh, it's over. You're going to be 4-0. And I get it. You need to, you, they feel good right now. And I get that part. But a series can change so fast. Yeah. It, it, it's Clipper fans jumped on us when, when Clippers won game one. How did that work out for you, Clipper fans? Mm. You lost four straight. So it, 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 the playoffs, of man, is a weird animal. Stressful, man. I don't, I miss it and I don't miss it. I like I didn't miss it when I wasn't playing or playing well, right? But I miss it because of the good things that I was involved in when we played. Mm-hmm. It's just a man, it's a mind hit that you just don't want to deal with if you're not a competitive person. D book and Kevin Durant are competitive people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So I trust that they're gonna come out and play excellent basketball. No doubt about that. <clears throat> uh, a couple super chats. There's one that I forgot from last week and I apologize. To my man, Luke Gottfried, he sent this last week uh, to you, Eddie, and he said, thanks for another great season, EJ. Love hearing you guys on the broadcast. Going to miss the boom room, uh, and thank you. So uh, there's that. Appreciate you, Luke, for that super chat. And then we have this one from Psycho Blue. Uh, Basketball Cthulhu says, Apostle Eddie, your valuable service to the cursed son is immortalized in basketball lore. Your insight provides hope that one day we will emerge victorious and be made solar. Nice. Nice. Did you understand any of that? Yeah, I did. (laughs) (laughs) It's a... Basketball Cthulhu, uh, Cycle Blue is one one of a kind, sir. Thank you very much for that super chat. Also, uh, make sure you guys go to ogsbrands.com because it is the best edible in the game. Uh, try out that Happy Balance gummy. They got a few new things coming around the corner, by the way, so you can stay tuned for that. Uh, if you go to ogsbrands.com, you can find the closest dispensary near you to partake. Uh, but right now, their biggest seller and their hype seller right now is obviously the uh, Happy Balance Gummy, which is a one-to-one THC to CBD ratio. Uh, like I said, a million times, it nice, uh, it, it melts you out, but it also cures some of those aches and pains, you know, after a, uh, a good workout or, or, you know, just talking to Eddie all day long. Sometimes you get a little sore because he's just always chirping in your ear. So uh, it is what it is. So check it out, ogsbrands.com, best edible in the game. Uh, and yeah, Eddie, uh, 
you got into it on Twitter today. Uh, I wouldn't say got into it, but I would say, you know, you, you spoke up as you usually do about the MVP race <clears throat> and Doug Gottlieb had this tweet that kind of set it all off. Jokic was winning the MVP until Perk made it about race to which a lot of people, players included, current players, former players, other hosts, uh, kind of went at Doug Gottlieb. Um, some defended him, but you had a, a give and take with him. Your thoughts? Yeah, look, man, Michael Jordan could have won it every year. Magic could have won it. Bird could have won it. Uh, LeBron could have won it. Uh, it's just... You know, LeBron didn't win it one year to Derrick Rose because yeah, the Bulls had the best record, but LeBron had an unbelievable season. But people didn't give it to him because why? He went to Miami. It's always a bias. It's a bias in life. I mean, people talking about the vote. Like, they upset about a vote. Damn, what country you been living in lately? <laughs> I mean, it's all been about vote. People cheating, people having a bias. Uh, you know, we've gone through that at a high level in this country. And then when we get to sports, they tend to think that it's pure. Really? Barry Bonds should be in the damn Hall of Fame. Mm. Okay? You got these old dudes that's sitting up, they think they pure, right? And they never done anything wrong. And ain't nothing wrong with you, something wrong with you behind. Barry Bonds was the best baseball player ever, okay? Even before he was accused of doing steroids. But they don't want to look at that part. They see the opportunity to penalize him. And so when I, when I hear this about bias, look, Jokic won two straight. He won two straight. If you win three straight, you better have a damn title behind your name. Bottom line. And I think Jokic, if he was asked that question, he would probably respond that way too. You know, Steve Nash won two straight. You got to have a title. Like, you got to have a deep run. Granted, he had injuries. Jamal Murray wasn't healthy. Michael Porter Jr. wasn't healthy. But what if that was LeBron? You wouldn't be saying that. You wouldn't. You would be saying, ah, he still should be able to win. By the fact, you ripped him. So I don't want to hear it. Joel Embiid had a great two-year run. Led the league in scoring. I'm not an analytics dude, but they say his true shooting percentage was at the top. Whatever that means, okay? Because I'm not a fan of that. And I'm just going to throw it out there to you. <laughs> and he's a better defender. <clears throat> Arguably the best defender in the game. He's worthy of it. Just like Jokic was worthy of it when he only won 48 games last year. Okay? And the year before, he got swept by the Suns. So, but he won them. And he's never man-to-man, -man, head head-to-head, outplayed, outplayed Embiid. Embiid, historically, since they've been in the league, have outplayed him mano-a-mano. And he dropped a 50-piece on them this year. Mm. Okay, so he's worthy of winning the MVP. It has nothing to do with bias. We're all biased. Okay, a lot of people ask me to do a podcast. I'm doing it with this. Okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Come on now. I said, Mike. Come on now. I said, Mike. Yeah, I'm doing it with him. He thought he was on the golf course. Okay, <laughs> a lot of guys probably mad and wonder why I chose him. Look at him. Why would you choose <laughs> him? God. 
Wait, wait, when this become defamatory towards me? You know? Keep your focus on the so, MVP race. So there you go. It's bias. Some of you all voted for a certain president. Some voted for another. Bias, because trust me, factually, on both sides, you probably saw some wrinkles in them in their personality, but you still voted for them. No pun intended, because they're old. Because it was bias. You <laughs> wanted him. So I don't want to hear it. Jokic lost. He didn't win it. Okay? He didn't win it. Embiid is the MVP of the NBA. Bottom line, Doug. And Kendrick Perkins, I didn't know that he's Martin Luther King. I didn't know that he can go out there and convince everybody, including white voters, that they should vote for Joel Embiid. Wow. Because if, if Perkins is that guy, we need to latch on to him because with the way our society is at this point in time, Kendrick Perkins is our man. <laughs> Come on, man. I'll have a dream today. Yeah, 73 <laughs> voters voted first place votes. 73. Wow. So Kendrick Perkins convinced 73 guys, including my co-host on NBA Today, Sirius XM, who loves Jokic, all right? Convinced all those people to vote for MB. Stop, man. Just because you're an analytical guru and you love those analytics doesn't mean that he should win it based on how you do your stats. You know how I do my stats? Embiid averaged 33 a game. Embiid is the best defender. Embiid guards the rim. And he's a monster in the paint. That's why I think he's the MVP. Come on, man. Stop. Wow. Okay. I mean, hey, when you say get it off your chest, uh, you certainly did that. Also, I didn't realize I was going to be catching strays. I'm still stuck on that. I don't, I don't appreciate that very much there, Eddie. Uh, I will say this, going back to your, your point at the very beginning. Uh, Michael Jordan, LeBron, uh, we've had greats in the game that have been the greatest through seven, eight, nine straight seasons. If you did a, a fantasy draft every single year, Michael Jordan would have been the number one pick every single year. Uh, same thing with Magic at a certain point. Same thing with Bird at a certain point. Same thing with Kobe, LeBron, like the list goes on and on. Um, and yet those guys did not win three, four MVPs in a row. And so I, I do agree with that point in terms of Jokic, a three-time MVP. I'm like, okay, you know, is he, is he, is he really worthy of, because that is, a, that is an elite status that I don't think too many players have ever had. What, one maybe, one other player, I think, yeah, in the history of the game? Mm -hmm. Like, you're talking about, is Jokic that dude? And I know we're supposed to take it from a year-to-year a, a -year basis, but that's just not how people, no. they just don't go about it that way. They just don't. Like, they, they think, okay, like Carl Malone won it because... People were basically exhausted and tired of giving it to Michael Jordan. Utah had a great year, though. I mean, yeah. it, was, yeah. it, 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 was, it was It was not like if he won it, it wasn't like they just handed it to him. No. Steve Nash had a great year, turned a bad team into a tremendous team, one of the most exciting teams in the league. Steve Nash will tell you, mano mano, he wasn't better than Kobe. He wasn't better than Shaq. But he was he was the best player in the league that those particular years because of what he did to the Suns 
and the level that he raised them to. Yes. That's what an MVP is all about. It's not about the best individual player because if that was the case, LeBron would have won it 10 straight damn times. Yeah, no, a million percent. He would have won it 10 straight times. And, and that's why when we go back to this thing about you know Jokic versus Embiid, I'm okay with Embiid winning, winning the MVP. Like, Jokic got it two years in a row. Uh, listen, and if you want to talk about the race card, like which is ridiculous to me, it's just it's it's absurd. I know it, it applies with some people and how they view things. Fine, but for this particular instance, like fucking Luka Doncic got like you know uh, first place votes. He's got four, uh, fourth and fifth That's place bias. votes, and and he was awful the, down the stretch. That's their, bias. their team was. Just completely tanked. That's not MVP worthy. Uh, Rick uh, uh, Brunson over in New York got a, got a couple of votes. Like he's not an MVP. So, I, listen, bias happens all the way across the board. I think that the the MVP was correct this year. I think that there was a fair argument to make for Jokic, but I don't think that when he, he should have won it when he dropped fifty on him. Now I know people are going to come back and say, "Well, he didn't play in Denver. He didn't play after Denver for two games either. He was injured." He was injured. Joel Embiid's not scared of Nikola Jokic, and Jokic is not scared of Joel Embiid. Uh, Grant Nova consecutively, not just three, consecutively. Uh, I, I'll, I'll look that up. Um, all right. So uh, last but not least, I think a, a topic that we can all agree on, Dylan Brooks might find himself out of the NBA, which is kind of funny, <laughs> to be honest with you. He might find himself playing over in China or Turkey or Greece or Paris well, I don't know or here. Oh, <laughs> I I joked about that the other day. I'll take him. I, I will say this. The the one thing that I said this the other day, the, the one thing that the Suns are missing to me is an agitator of sorts. I'll take him. Um, Chris Paul kind of tries to play. To me, Chris Paul is like preppy agitator, if that makes sense, where he's just like he does it subtly. He doesn't really want to get called out for it. Uh, and he, he's, he can kind of get under skin, but he tries to play the good guy. And you kind of like him when he's not on the court anyway, even if you're not a Suns uh, fan uh, because of all his Allstate commercials. They're pretty funny. They're good. But he doesn't really like try to like be obvious about it like a Pat Bev would, right? I think the Suns need an agitator. They had that to a certain degree, a little bit like kind of a, a roundabout way with Jay Crowder, um, somebody that wouldn't take no shit. Dylan Brooks won't take any shit. Foolish or not. He won't take any shit. He'll probably find himself back in the league some way, shape, or form, but he ain't going back to Memphis because Memphis has already said they are not going to resign him. Well, but they tried to resign him this year, and he he told them that, you know, obviously the money was fine. He wanted a bigger role. Uh, I happen to believe when he first got in the league his first few years before they changed over, Taylor Jenkins, you know, obviously got his nice role that, you know, his players that he wanted, uh, his role did change. Uh, Dylan Brooks was a much better scorer in prior years. I think he is a scorer. He's a scorer, though, that's not limited to just shooting threes. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you give him opportunities to post up, you give him opportunities to isolate, I think that he's a very good basketball player. Uh, I think he's going to be in high demand, Saul. I, I think teams are going to want him. They're lining up to get him because, as you just noted, every team needs a guy like that, and he can score. And he can defend. He's one of the best defensive players in the game. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, and you need that. That You need that A, that so, a with, with the H on your team, man. That asshole, and yeah. I got you. You need that, man. And, and so look at, look, look, look at the champions over the years, okay? 
Look at the dirt work on the calves that Tristan Thompson used to do mm-hmm. uh, in Miami when they had Lonzo Mourning. Okay, they had physical presence guys. Udonis Haslam beating up people. That's how they were able to win titles. That titles that they got. Uh, look deep in the past with the Lakers. You had Michael Cooper, nasty. The Bulls, Dennis Rodman, nasty. Uh, San Antonio. You know, they didn't have, like, guys that were dirt, dirt, but they had Bruce Bowen. Mm. Uh, Grimy. You you always have, like, Golden State, Draymond. So you always need that kind of guy, man, that that can take things to the edge. And that's why I think he'll be in high demand. So here's my question, though, okay? And and I'm going to go back to this. Dylan Brooks, there's been rumors of Kyrie. Um, there's even been rumors of Draymond, as you as you uh, you know mentioned. There's a particular DNA that James Jones and Monty Williams kind of value more than others. Can those guys even exist in this ecosystem? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think Suns fans are a little bit hardened now and understand it. Look, we've gone all these years and haven't won a title. And I know sometimes we live in an environment where it's always sunny and we're laid back. And when you get an aggressive type natured guy, you might, you know, look at it differently and don't want it. I think it was a point in time, remember when Rodman's down in San Antonio mm-hmm. and they weren't ready for the the way that he handled things. I think they're over that now. I think a lot of teams understand that you need that guy uh, on your roster and you know, we need somebody like that. We do because we're always we're, we're getting on guys to be physical and out of their character to be that person. But it has to be in you. Mm-hmm. You know, like people get on DeAndre and say, "Oh, you need to be more forceful and all that," because he's just the biggest guy on the court and he should do all these things. Well, sometimes after a period of time of prodding and pushing, and you see that person doesn't get to that level, it's just not in them. Okay. And so now you got to start to enjoy what they bring. And start to anoint them and, and give them positivity about what they offer. Because when you constantly beat up the person, it kind of really hurts what they're already giving you to a good point. Right? And so, you know, it's, that's, you have to be careful with that, man. You, you really do. And I try to be that way with DeAndre. Yes, I get frustrated at things that he does sometimes. But I also look and I see a lot of the good things. Like I thought in game two. I thought mano a mano, he played Jokic as good as anybody can play. I thought so, too. I thought so, too. Uh, and so even though Jokic had a huge game, and he'll probably have another huge game in game three because I think f- the Suns are committed not to doubling him, and I think it's the right thing to do and and cut off these other guys because one guy's not going to beat you. And if Chris Paul did not get hurt, we'd be sitting here 1-1. Yeah. We'd be sitting – the Suns were up. Uh, what, eight points at that time? Mm-hmm. Chris Paul was getting to his sweet spot. He was knocking those shots down. And when he does that, now that drop coverage has to stop. Now that allows Chris to get even deeper, and now he's finding guys. And so, unfortunately, he got injured, and they won the game. But, you know, I saw great things in how the Suns defended in game two. All right. We got a couple of super chats. Uh, first, we have Corey Flynn. <clears throat> EJ, was it a mistake not to get TJ and Ross more minutes during the season? We talked about that earlier, but I think we both kind of agree that that you would have liked to seen some more minutes for those guys because now you're getting to a point in this playoff series, particularly, that you're going to need to lean on them a little yeah. bit. And it would have been nice 
to have them a little bit more prepared as we got into this, but they're pros. It was a stretch where they were getting the minutes. And, and what I would tell TJ, and, and you know, I've mentored TJ uh, at times during his career, and I haven't really gotten a chance to really you know, get in depth with Terrence, but we did have a conversation, is I would tell both of those guys that I'm in, I've been in that seat that you're in yeah, where you're on borrow time. And I – I learned that seat, and I became really good sitting in that seat. Uh, and I was able to adjust to whatever rhythm the coach would, would throw at me. Case in point, back in 90, 1988, uh, my first – Cotton's first year of coaching, year I won six man, I had three bad games, and Cotton purposely was not going to play me in our season open, opener against the Mavericks. And I'm sitting there, and normally I go in three, you know, maybe three minutes left in the first or the early part of the second. And he's just calling people over me, calling people over me. And Cotton knew me, knew me very well. He coached me since I got in the league. And I'm sitting there, I'm steaming, but I'm also building myself up, and I'm saying, okay, you're going to need me because we were down 18 and I hope home open. So eventually, with four and five minutes to go in the second quarter, he calls my name. We came back and won, I had 37. <laughs> so my point is, like, they're in a new situation. Terrence Ross used to start in a lot of times in his career, TJ obviously, is that this is their call to duty moment. Like, he calls their name, He's got they gotta go out there and prove him wrong. And Monty's going to be okay with that. Prove him wrong, man, you should have been playing me. They can't go out there and justify why he was not playing them. And it's it's very difficult space to be in, but it's rewarding, man, if you're able to accomplish it. And I think those two guys are definitely uh, in a place where they can accomplish it, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, next Super Chat. Uh, by Cycle Blue, EJ, that MVP rant was marvelous. Five stars, and heck yes to Bonds needing to be in the hall, just like Pete Rose, Sosa, McGuire, and our guy, Tom C. Uh, appreciate that, Cycle Blue. Corey Flynn, uh, the big question, will EJ uh, be with 3TV free broadcast next year with the TV contract change? Uh, broadcast uh, is expected to remain intact? Yeah, yeah I'm negotiating right now, you uh, know. <laughs> like, look, I'm big wig now, so, you know, Suns fans love me. You know, they want some EJ, they want some K-Ray, bring in the boo! So I'm kind of holding out right now. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah, I'm holding out. So you would yeah. say you're, you're yeah, doing... Yeah, I'm talking about I might retire. He's, he's Dylan Brooks right here. I'm talking about I might retire. It, it, I am close to retiring, by the way. But, uh, no, I'll, I'll be back next year. Uh, yeah, I'll be back. And, awesome. uh, it you know, to whatever capacity it is, I know... Over the next few years, I'm going to start to cut back even more. Uh, you know, just turned 64, man. I want to kind of enjoy my life. You know, got some bad news on a good friend four days ago. You know, just got in great shape, doing well, goes to the doctor, and all of a sudden they say he has a tumor the size of a baseball in his head. Just had nine hours of surgery last night. Luke, hope you're doing well. Shout out to you. But – you know, you just can't take life for granted. So, you know, I'm at that point now. I love my sons. I'm always going to be at the games. But 
Yeah, I think it's getting to that point where I'll start to wind down. So you better appreciate me as long as you can. Because <laughs> trust me, I'm not going to be doing games a much longer. Okay, but I will be involved with the Suns forever. So that definitely is a true statement. Matt McCarry, uh, we need more Raja Bell than Dylan Brooks or Patrick Bev. Well, if you can find one, that's great. The problem is, is there ain't a lot of guys like Raja Bell in the league uh, nowadays. And then Zulu, uh, super chat, appreciate you. Uh, Suns need a bucket getter like TJ or Terrence Ross. Maybe yep. next year we can find some guys to fit that mold. Well, we, well, yeah, definitely. I think that's going to be the case. But I think right now is what we have in hand. We're down 0-2 to the Nuggets. You know, these fan bases love to jump in and get you. And I understand Nuggets fan bases, especially now, because we swept y'all ass, okay, a couple of years ago. And I get it. You're mad. I know. I get it. Okay? This guy going to tweet me today. It's over. I'm like, dude, it's 2-0. I didn't know it was a 2-0 series, you <laughs> stoop. I mean, give me a ch- give it a chance. So I, I get it with the Nugget fans. No, I, I mean, they, listen, let let them have it. Like I, I don't even I don't even hate on them for it. Like they're 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 in here and they're you know they're chatting away and it's good that they're here. Hey, hey, hey you like me? Good. I hear it's, you. It's all good. At like, least put your face on it though. I yeah. can't stand people that put a letter. Let me see your ugly face if you want to talk smack to me, because <laughs> I'm right here. Hey. I'm right here, E. Edward Todd. You got my name. Won't even put your damn. Come on, give me a face. Edward Todd is. I know good. he likes me, but yeah. I want to see his face. He's, he's, he's kind of, this guy, T. Go at T. This no, is how. I want Edward the whole to time. show me his face, yeah. though. Show me your face. I don't like these guys that use symbols and got Devin Booker's pictures. Let me see you. I want to see your face. I'm here. I'm not running. Saul's here. I understand maybe he should, you know, maybe go with something else. But, you know. But Again, Eddie, what the fuck is going on today? You sitting next to a guy that looks like Denzel. I told you that. Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, that's another episode of Outside Shots because I'm done here. It's my boy. It's my boy. It's my boy. Eddie, tell them where they can find you. Uh, NBA Today show five days a week, Monday through Friday. Okay. One to four Pacific time. You got SiriusXM, NBA radio channel, SiriusXM, man. We go three hours, all NBA, and it's fire. Trust me. I have a co-host that's really sick. He's unhinged. And it's a good thing I'm not in the studio with him when I do the show because I would have Mike Tyson him a long time ago. All right? (laughs) Trust me. So you want to check out that show. I think Eddie has a problem with with (laughs) co-hosts. <laughs> um, also, if you want more information on the whole Suns legal stuff with the TV deals and stuff like that, uh, we'll be talking about Free it today on, on PHNX Suns later on this afternoon Free. at 3 o'clock. So check us out. Uh, until then, we'll see you next time. Later. Later.